on a Saturday night, and as usual, that means it's time for the other podcast. I'm your host, Robert Stacy McCain. And I'm not. Hey, folks, it's John Hogan, the other guy on the other podcast here. Stacy, by the way, blogs at theothermccain.com, and his writings can be found at other fine spots around the interwebs. And you can also find my good friend John Hogue's work at hogwash.com. But most important of all, you may find our friend Diana in Valdosta. Yes, you may. Diana in Valdosta. Yes, she is. How you doing, young lady? I'm doing great. Um, I, I well walked a five five k. I have. It, it has just been a really good day. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. It sounds like you're breaking up on Again. us. Well, well. No, you, you're uh, you're so far you're uh, with us, but uh, it could be worse. I mean, you could be uh, rooting for South Carolina right now. Ooh, right yes. now, it's, right right now, it's seven twenty three to go in the fourth quarter. Vanderbilt seventeen, South Carolina fourteen. <laughs> uh, with, and so South Carolina has the ball on their on their own thirty four. Vanderbilt is winning. Yes, against all odds, and they still have a chance to lose. And so, uh, I've, you know, hope, but hope springs eternal. Meanwhile, I probably and, think that there are other football games actually being played this weekend. Yes, there are other football games. Yes, there's seven minutes left to go down there in uh, where is the University of South Carolina in Columbia? I think so. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so yes, uh, Vanderbilt. <laughs> Which is, by the way, John's alma mater. By the way, it's now he, second and sixteen for uh, yeah for for South Carolina. Yeah. So so yeah, got them backed up there. Well, anyways, meanwhile, uh, in other highlights, uh, Kentucky, uh, previously undefeated and ranked number eleventh, went to Athens against uh, the number one rated Georgia Bulldogs, and they kept it close for a while. Uh, but then uh, Georgia uh, pulled it out 30 to 13 was your final score there. Uh, Georgia over the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, number two, Iowa uh, got defeated at home by Purdue in a Big Ten matchup. So uh, that will scramble the uh, uh, the uh, top. 20 teams in the in the coming week. Uh, number 19, Brigham Young fell to unranked Baylor, 38-24. Number three, Cincinnati rolled over uh, University of Central Florida, 56-21. So we can assume 
that Cincinnati, uh, which was not even in the top 10 a couple of weeks ago, Cincinnati will move up to number two probably. Um, number 10, Michigan defeats Indiana 20 to 15. That was a bit of a struggle for Michigan State. I'm sorry, did I say Michigan? It's Michigan State. Um, number 12, Oklahoma State defeated number 25, Texas 32 to 24. The 17th ranked Arkansas. Uh, Razorbacks uh, lost at home to Auburn, doggone it, 38-23. Unranked LSU uh, defeated number 20 Florida, 49-42. Number 21, Texas A&M, 35-14 over Missouri. And kicking off momentarily a certain team from Tuscaloosa, uh, will be playing in uh, Starkville, uh, Alabama versus Mississippi State. Also on tap tonight, Ole Miss versus Tennessee, and Oklahoma hosts TCU. Boston College hosts North Carolina State, and Arizona State will be playing at Utah. So, so that's your complete top 25 scoreboard for the night. And uh, how's uh, how's Vanderbilt doing against South Carolina? Still uh, hanging on. Vanderbilt just got the ball back from them, uh, and they're on South Carolina's forty-eight or forty-nine. I can't. Oh uh, no, no, no! They got a first and ten at the South Carolina thirty-five. So uh, we're they cheering just, yeah, for they, the they Vanderbilt commode. They just got. They just got another play in. <laughs> while, while I was uh, That's a flicking back and forth Saturday, you, while I was flipping back to actual our agenda, uh, oh where, yes, where we were going to start <laughs> off by uh, going with one of my posts, uh, and that's titled uh, "Weren't we supposed to be turning things over to experts?" Now we're going to get into this a little <laughs> deeper, further down into the program. But I'm so old. I remember when the Biden campaign was being sold to us. As, uh, you know, Joe going to bring back all the competent adults to government. Uh, and he put, <laughs> they put Mayor Pete in charge of tra- Department of Transportation, a guy with no experience managing transportation networks. Uh, and the oceans are now full of ships that are bound for America and don't have a port to enter. And uh the FAA and some airlines are suddenly having staffing issues, and we'll talk a little bit more about another DOT problem as well. But the DOT, Department of Transportation, has a newly released climate adaption and resilience plan. Yeah, <laughs> that's just what they needed. Stacy. But- do your Christmas shopping early, and I'll tell people an excellent uh, a bunch of places to do it as we get uh, yeah. further down uh, the uh, podcast. <laughs> Meanwhile, speaking of experts. Experts. Uh, yeah. Uh, you were talking about uh, MD, MBD. Michael study. Brendan Doherty. Yes. Trump, his Trump problem and yours. Yeah. Uh, Michael Brendan Doherty. If and you and don't- and, 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 and this really has to do with how experts interact with the rest of us yeah. at, at its core. Mm-hmm. 
Michael Brendan Doherty had a column uh, this week at National Review, and I and I uh, responded to it by beginning by saying that I like Michael Brendan Doherty. I know I've known him for over ten years, um, and I've always liked him. And even his latest column uh, will not stop me uh, from liking him. He um, he criticized um, uh, Roger Kimball. Uh, for Roger Kimball was uh, had a, a column that's a, sort of a limited defense of the January 6th Capitol riot. And it, it, it pushed Doherty's button for some reason. And he went on a rant uh, and he said, he said, nearly everything Kimball says about the ongoing resistance to Trump is true. It was meretricious hysterical and dangerous. Even before Trump won the election, I predicted the unprecedented subterfuge that would probably be aimed at him if he won the presidency. We saw the deep state as it really is, an ongoing class warfare against the democratic peoples and their representatives whose disruptions provide accountability. Some of us have spent the better part of the past two decades or longer arguing that conservatives should be more open to a populist and working class core of voters. You know, and, and that was, I can remember living in a place where the conservatives were open to the working class. Do you remember what California was like, uh, 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 Diana, when Duke Majin was governor? Yeah. It was a very different place from where it oh, is God. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Up, yeah. Uh, yeah. Republicans were really being uh, a uh, small people uh, managers. Uh oh, we've got we've we've got you uh, going into breakup mode again, Diana. Uh, I'm technical going, problems I am again. Going, I'm, I am I am becoming uh, concerned about this. We may have to find another way to bring you in, but. Uh, why don't you uh, pop back out and pop back in? Try one more time with you. Like, anyways, right. the problem the the, the problem that uh, Doherty um, uh, talks about with um, with Trump. Okay, his problem with Trump is it is different uh, from my problem with Trump, and and my problem with Trump is that Trump does not read books. Okay, the man is not a reader. He gets his ideas by watching TV, which was why back in the day, right, when he was president, you saw him always responding on Twitter to whatever Hannity or Fox and Friends or were saying on TV. And getting the, the problem with TV itself, okay, is that TV is a slow medium, okay, because you can only speak it can only communicate uh, as fast as the spoken word, which is about 150 words a minute, unless you're um, uh, Ben with the Daily Wire. Help me. 
Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro talks about 250 words a minute. It's it's the he he speaks so fast it scares me. Uh, but, it's not quite up to uh, the old FedEx commercial, but he he yeah, moves. But, oh, my God, he talks fast. But anyways, but no, no, you get about 150 words a minute. I wonder how he's fitting in in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk too fast in Nashville. But, well, wait, well, you know. Uh, but meanwhile, what what I was saying is is that the the written word is a superior form of communication, and so readers can obtain more information than someone who's getting their information from the spoken word, which is what TV is all about. Well, it depends on how fast you read. And TV is a lot of um, images, okay, and uh, rather than uh, thought. And so, and so that's, that's my problem with Trump. But, the, the, but having watched politics for a long time, um, what I liked about Trump was with the fact that he won. Okay, and mm -hmm. I don't think that any of the other Republican candidates in 2016 uh, could have beaten Hillary Clinton. I think it was uh, time for something different. And even though, uh, you know, some things about Trump I could criticize, the fact is he changed the game. Yes. And it, look. We were going to wind up with a blonde jerk from New York. The only question was which one, and he was the uh, he was the better deal. Uh, yeah. Diana, you're back with us. How do you sound now? Um, I don't know. I'm on my phone, which may or that's, may not work out. That's, ten ten. That is excellent. Uh, your okay. audio is now okay. excellent. So we're gonna we're gonna go back to the phone method well, of operation. Well, we're gonna certainly use uh, this this evening, and then we're gonna do some debugging. Uh, yeah, yes, of we our are. Technical <laughs> problems. Okay, but, but anyways, you know the 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 whole problem of Trump's personality Ooh, uh, yeah. uh, getting in the way of his own agenda because because you know if you think back to where we were before COVID showed up. Uh, mm -hmm. The economy was going gangbusters, mm -hmm. and and you know we had record low levels of unemployment, and the Democrats yep. were headed to crash and burn for the uh, crash 20, and Bernie, so uh, to speak. crash and burn yeah. for the twenty twenty election, and uh, better and better the Abraham Accords, and to be honest, uh, foreign the foreign uh, the world outside our borders was for once uh, acting something like sane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's all gone to crap in a in less than a year. Uh, yeah. Biden has everything that Bi Biden has ruined everything. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, well, it, well whoever's running, who's ever running the meat puppet is ruining everything. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, but you know. The thing is, they were headed for an absolute disaster in 2020, they and they lucked out with the COVID situation, and were able did to. Did they luck out, or did they not, or did the Chinese do uh, somebody a favor? Well, well, well. Well, I, well, I actually, okay, I, okay, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I, no, I, I don't think the Chinese were doing anybody a favor. Uh, the China has actually uh, had much more disruption than any place else in the world probably mm. from COVID. Uh, you, 
you're seeing uh, power shortages and all sorts oh, of yeah. things uh, going through there. COVID stressed their system in a way that they couldn't uh, withstand. Well, uh, that was predictable, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they weren't doing anybody any favors. But look, the Democrats thought they were going to get it. And they so under they, oh, they forgot to steal the rest of the ticket. And mm -hmm. uh, they, you know, they got Biden in just barely and they didn't get working control of the House and the Senate. They got nominal control, but not working control. So they're in a precarious situation uh, caused by that underperformance in the election. Um, and they're not delivering on their promises. <laughs> well, no, because their promises and their policies are are diametrically opposed. <laughs> well, you, you've got you've got the insanely progressive wing digging in their heels, uh, overreaching, <laughs> demanding stuff that the saner members of the party know can't happen. Because did you, none did of you the, say insane? Wait, there are sane people. No, the no, there party? are there are less insane. People. Well, actually, you know, crazy. Actually, people are actually, we'll get to that. Well, later. <laughs> well, actually, Mansion and Cinema may actually be sane. <laughs> then um, why are they Democrats? Uh, well, it, actually, they have a whole lot more power uh, as Democrats now than they would. Uh, uh, if uh, they were backbenchers uh, with cocaine Mitch. Yeah. Now that's oh. not to say that they wouldn't change parties in different situations, but they, they are who they are right now. The Democrats have got an agenda that's dead. That's DOA. And they've got lots oh. of voters uh, who would lean Democrat going, why did I do this? Right. <laughs> um, so we're going to see an interesting struggle inside the inner party, I think. Mm. Uh, uh, and it's going to lead the Democrats to an even greater disaster. Uh, Daniel Roman had a post over at uh, AMAC about the Democrats disarray. And he, he ended it with this line uh, bit. The real problem with this progressive clique of largely white privileged young college graduates is not uh, that their views on specific issues, but their inability to listen or interact with anyone who's not part of their ideological in-group. Mm -hmm. That is on full display with the, uh, with the disputes that are currently tearing the Democratic Party apart. The left's treatment of cinema and mansion uh, are uh, likely uh, failures uh, and the likely failure of, of Biden's agenda. The, you know, it, it, they they know that they're headed to a heap of trouble for next year. It's not oh, yeah. going to be good to them. Uh, but the next year and a half is going to be really ugly. By the way, it's Vanderbilt 20 uh, <laughs> of, and uh, South Carolina 14 with a minute 36 to go. Oh, okay, okay, you're you're updating us on the. Okay, I was <laughs> yeah. I was I was, gonna, I was gonna update you on the uh, um, Alabama Mississippi State game, which is still scoreless, but uh, Alabama just intercepted. Uh, so so you know, Bama's got the ball, but yay Vanderbilt! I, I'm cheering. I get to cheer for Vanderbilt today. And, and uh, uh, speaking it's of... It's not like uh, we're going to beat Alabama. Did we speak about Manchin? Because, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know what Bernie Sanders did? 
Yeah. He uh, wrote an op-ed for the Charleston uh, Gazette Mail. In, in which, among that, by the other that's, things, that's, that's Charleston, West Virginia, not South yes. Carolina. Yeah, Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, this is this is Joe Manchin's hometown paper, and <laughs> he comes out and and he talks about his uh, the climate change agenda and how they're going to um, do this. And oh, Joe Manchin clobbered Bernie Sanders. It's like, it's, you just got to see it, man. It's, it's, uh, it's classic. It's like, it's like, take your Vermont bullshit and get out of my state, Bernie. Well, you know, it's not like, it's not like West Virginia doesn't have an interest in fossil fuels. Right, 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 right. You know, and, 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 you know, it's, this is like, I remember, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that the oil industry started in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and immediately moved to Ohio and uh, West Virginia. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. People don't know how There's much. There's a reason why it's called coal oil. Yeah. You drive around, uh, drive around down there. Uh, if you, you know, there's oil rigs over near Youngstown and everything mm-hmm. like that. There's, there's um, you know, and, and, and people have no idea um you know about the coal industry. Uh, I I remember in uh, the 2012 campaign, Mitt Romney going down to the southwest tip of Virginia. There's coal down there, okay. And and those people, uh, you know, you know, they don't get shit from the government, okay. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like it's like, and you know, uh, one of the things that the energy sector loved about uh, the Trump administration is, is anything they wanted in terms of deregulation. He was just mm-hmm. signing things, it, you know, is it, you know, it, and we became energy independent. Stacy, yeah. a year ago when I bought gas mm. at, at the Exxon station, not far from here uh, on the way in, I was paying a buck 75. Oh. <laughs> I paid 332. Today. Yeah. Uh, on election night, um, election night uh, this past year, um, you know, I took a picture of of the gas pumps, uh, the the sign where I got gas. And hang on a second here. I'll tell you what the price was because I happen to have it on my Instagram account. It was. Two nineteen for unleaded. You're now paying about three thirty, like you said. Uh, and so, so you know, people were warned. Okay, we tried to warn them. Oh yeah. yes, but 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 Biden does want us to have lower gas prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By, by getting down on his knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the man who, on his very first day in office, signed an executive order mm. revoking the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline is now oh. desperate for help to do something about rising fuel prices. Mm. Yeah. I quote here uh, from a Reuters story this week. The White House has been speaking with U.S. oil and gas producers in recent days about helping to bring down rising fuel costs, About, according to two sources familiar with the matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
in the United States, the average retail cost of a gallon of gas is at a seven-year high, and winter uh -huh. fuel costs are expected to surge, according to the U.S. Energy Department. I can't wait to see what my gas bill is in January and February. Oil yeah, and gas. Know that people freeze to death. It's it's really easy to freeze to death. It's uh, th this is crazy. Oil and gas production remains below the nation's peak reached in <laughs> what year? What year? Oh, it was two thousand nineteen. Yes, uh, yes. Anyways. U.S. crude oil recently hit $80 a barrel for the first oh. time in seven years as OPEC, um, restricts, OPEC restricts output. The White House has discussed rising prices with top OPEC producer Saudi Arabia in recent weeks. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> How do you get oil from Saudi Arabia to North America? Uh, in tankers? Tankers. Oh, don't the tankers have to come into port? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. That old supply chain problem once again. We're back to that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and so, so, so meanwhile, Pete Buttigieg <laughs> and his husband are on paternity leave. And I'm just like, I, I saw a Fox News segment. I think it was Brett Baer doing it the other night. And uh, and it's like, how are you doing this with the straight face? They just pretending it's so normal. Oh, he and his husband are having, they've had babies. Well, how did that happen? No, the I, surrogate I, I, had the babies. Well, we don't know anything about the uh, uh, particular process uh, that was involved. And I don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to know. <laughs> no. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, uh, bad. Let's see here. Aha. Now, fresh from the, the oil price disaster, now it's time to talk about the supply... The supply chain di disaster. You mean the debacle? <laughs> debacle, mean catastrophe, apocalypse. Yes. Uh, well, uh, if you don't, oh, if you are not somebody who cans or freezes, it's time to figure out how. Yeah, um, I happen to know someone in the food service industry. Uh, someone very close to me. <laughs> and think of all the little things, right, that you take for granted, mm. like those little packets, little tinfoil packets of mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. South Carolina just scored with 35 seconds left, and so it's 21 to 20, South Carolina. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Sorry, Vanderbilt is finding a way to lose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry, John. We're sorry, <laughs> Yeah, well, anyways, well, we interrupt this news uh, commentary for the important story, Vanderbilt is losing again. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> Alabama leads Mississippi State 7 to nothing. So uh, <laughs> uh, Bryce Young threw for a touchdown pass to um, John Mechie. Anyway. Course. 
Anyways, where 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 I was? We we were we were we were we were going to talk about the wonderful world. things like juice boxes, right? Yep. You think of juice boxes, right? You can't get juice boxes. You can't get the little packets of mayonnaise. Have you seen the uh, the the Biden logo where the 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 three the shelves yeah oh my goodness and the empty shelves are are it's they're not going to be full for a long time see now I I don't go shopping okay well, but right. like I went to buy a tarp at Tractor Supply today they were out a of tarp. tarps yeah a tarp oh god know, to put to put uh, over uh, some stuff uh, that I'm storing in the yard I went to get a tarp. They were out of tarps uh, the size I needed at Tractor Supply. They only had little tiny ones. Oh, it's my just, God. It's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's just little things that you wouldn't, you know, and I don't shop. I, I haven't, you know, I go, I, I run to the um, convenience store and uh, pick up the little thing every once in a while. But I haven't been shopping lately. And But uh, people just say that just, Things that you wouldn't even think of as being in short supply are in short supply. Well, I I go to Trader Joe's. This is the time of the year. The one thing I like that's pumpkin is they make a a pumpkin O's, which are pumpkin flavored like Cheerios. Gone. Can't get them. Can't get them. Yeah, yeah, there's a a lot of things. And so you're starting, people are noticing. Um, Anyways, uh, Tucker Carlson did a segment on it this week and in, in which mm-hmm. he said suddenly for the first time in generations Americans are having trouble buying basic necessities the thing they need a new poll by Rasmussen found that 62% of Americans said they have shortages in stores where they live and the things they can buy are suddenly much more expensive if you've tried to buy a used car lately, for example. Have um, you tried to buy a new one? Yeah, yeah. I was so lucky that I bought my car. Uh, I bought a brand new car in February just before they went crazy. Yeah, the, oh. the price of everything is going up. And, and, and um, by the way, if you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, I link a column at the Daily Signal. Daily Signal is uh, done by the Heritage Foundation. Um, but Peter St. Ange has a great column mm-hmm. uh, talking about all of the factors involved in causing this shortage. The Biden administration wants to say, well, this is because of COVID. No, it's not. It's because of government policies, uh, including California truckers, it says, have been socked by the state's notorious AB5 law restricting Mm -hmm. gig workers and independent contractors. Uh, Mm -hmm. Combined with truck emission mandates introduced just last year, that can mean tens of thousands of dollars out of pocket. And so whatever the problem was, okay, uh, regulation has made it uh, difficult. Much worse. Uh, You know, regulation takes away the flexibility. A- AB5, which is the law that went into effect uh, last year that basically mm-hmm. says you can't be an independent contractor, you have to be an employee, or mm-hmm. you have to incorporate or become an LLC yourself, 
I mean, ba- uh, basically what's happened is almost all the trucks that move goods from the ships to the warehouses just around the corner mm-hmm. uh, or uh, move them to the rail yard so they can be uh, moved out across the country. Almost all of those were owner operator rigs. Guess what? AB uh, five made them illegal. Yep. So the wonder there's uh, that you've got the, uh, the ports being constipated because mm-hmm. now you now you've only got uh, local uh, teamster operated companies able to operate yeah. with wonderful work rules. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and they're yeah. working to rule. This is, but it, it, it said here, parked ships are easy to see, but ports are just the beginning. Once mm-hmm. goods get off the ship, there aren't enough truckers or not enough chassis to carry the containers or enough warehouse space, or enough rail capacity. Railhead weights are now averaging 10 to 20 days, while warehouses in Los Angeles are already 98.8% full. It is now so expensive to import that containers ship back empty leaving U.S. products to sit on trains too full to take new loads, which back up the port. And so, so all it took was to, you know, a few little things to go wrong. And, and this is like something out of Atlas Shrugged is what it uh-huh. reminds me of. If, if, you were, if the listeners never read Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, um, she, you know, the thing is, is that suddenly... Uh, there is a lack of of skill apparent in the running of railroads. With the the the, move, the, the thing was mainly about railroads, mm-hmm. um, but the uh, manufacturing sector and everything just suddenly went haywire. And what we're seeing right now is that kind of scenario. And mm-hmm. and Joe Biden's numbers are not going to recover under these. Conditions. Look, I can tell you that it, that isn't just people not being able to get uh, uh, pumpkin o's. Yeah. I'm also not able to get uh, critical components that I need to uh, for my work at NASA. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So designing space robots. Has well, no, you, you, I mean, we normally the, the, the kinds of stuff we're using is such high is so small and such high dollar value. A lot of it ships by air, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and and air is still working if you can get the stuff to build. Unless you're on the Southwest. Well, no. Well, air is still no air is still working for that kind of shipment. But the problem is, is that uh, you can't get the the pure silicon sand to make the silicon for the integrated circuits because uh, that moves by. Guess what? You rail. mean that there's yeah. a sand shortage? There's a sand <laughs> the shortage. The government must be in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and this is anybody who who understands market economics uh, mm-hmm. understands that there's always this danger uh, when government begins th- doing things that they think they're going to help. You know, Ronald Reagan said the most dangerous words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Huh. Um, and the, uh, but, but this, you start messing around with the component elements of, of, of the economy. For example, 
uh, the extended unemployment benefits mm. and other expansions of the welfare state uh, to, that were supposed to be an emergency. You know, we well, we've got to get this COVID under control. So so let's be more generous with the unemployment benefits. And guess what? Four million people quit their jobs last month. But you and I didn't quit ours. And it would be helpful to us, though, if people would be generous in their support of our blogging. Yeah. So, Stacy, tell them about the yellow button. Yes. Okay, folks, this is the shameless capitalism segment of the show in which I tell you that if you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, uh, you will notice near the top uh, in the center column a yellow button with the word donate on it. If you will click the yellow button, uh, it will take you to my uh, PayPal account uh, when you can donate, uh, contribute uh, to the support of the blog and also to support the podcast and mainly, of course, to keep my wife happy. My <laughs> wife is happy when I get money uh, from from the blog. And, and so uh, your contributions are most appreciated. Meanwhile... Over at my good friend John Hogue's site, hoguewash.com. There is, in fact, not a yellow button, but there is a tip jar icon over in the sidebar on the right. Click on that. Be taken off to my PayPal account where you can help support hoguewash.com. Or you can uh, do your shopping at the Hoguewash store. There's an icon there in the sidebar that will take you to that. Or... If you need to get your Christmas shopping done before the, uh, the everything's out of inventory, there's a link uh, to Amazon. Uh, Hogwash participates in the Amazon Associates program, as does uh, the other McCain and lots of other fine blogging spots around the interwebs. Uh, when you use those links, the blogger gets a cut of the action. It's one of the nice things Amazon does to support us. So regardless of how you choose to support our blogging or the podcast, please remember the five most important words in the English language. Hit the freaking tip jar. And we will be very thankful for you when you do it. And by we, the way, if you will uh, go, what was that? Noise? I think that it was uh, noise, no, noise on a telephone. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, well, uh, if you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, and scroll down past Wombat's post <laughs> about, uh, it's a review of an anime um, <laughs> but if you'll scroll down past that, you will find that I have a post up there called a letter of introduction. Mm -hmm. And in there, I have a link uh, to a, a, a um, Douglas South Hall Freeman's Robert E. Lee, a biography. Which is worth reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if fun. any of my children are listening or anyone else who loves me, you know what I would really love for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I'm giving you a hint there. There's a link there that it will take you to the Amazon page. And if you will click that link, <laughs> you will notice that the original... Pulitzer Prize edition, four-volume complete set of Robert E. Lee, a biography by Douglas Southall Freeman, can be purchased for as low as $153.99. Yes, well, 
uh, or or someone could hit the blog for one hundred fifty three ninety nine. Hit the yellow button. Hit the yellow button for one hundred fifty three ninety nine. But that, that number that, now uh, that is that is probably the definitive uh, biography on Lee. Mm -hmm. It's it, it it there is some additional good scholarly work that's done on it. Um, Lee is a very interesting uh, person. He's a man of his times. He would mm -hmm. not, <laughs> he would definitely uh, uh, not uh, fit in with a, a lot of people today, but he was, he was a man of uh, great skill, great learning. And he was an engineer. That's what, as a, well, as a matter of fact, he, well, he graduated first in his class at West Point mm -hmm. and the very best graduates of West Point went, did not go into the cavalry or the infantry or the artillery. They went no, to the engineers. <laughs> they went to the engineers. Uh, he was, he was, as a matter of fact, it was stayed in the uh, Corps of Engineers until 1855 when he was given command of a cavalry unit. Right, right. So, right. Uh, and yeah, but but anyways, but, 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 I, but, no, but no, I mean, he was he. For example, uh, he uh, he w was uh, wounded uh, during fighting in the Mexican War because mm -hmm. a lot of the reconnaissance he did as an engineer uh, was was key to being able to advance properly. The storming City. of Capultepec. Yeah. So yeah. you know, uh, an important guy. But anyways, he, I, I, but, but, I, and but I the disapprove one, of his marriage. But anyway, <laughs> well, what? I, what? I, I did. I disapprove of some other aspects of of, of him. But on the other hand, yeah. you know, he, he is a a man who should whose life and work should be studied. Yes, but he, he a, was he's not an he interesting was, man. He was not woke. No, uh, and well, wokeness. Well, okay, go on. I no, know what I, I recognize the turn of this conversation. Go. <laughs> well, no, he was not, he, he was he was not woke, but but yeah. wokeness versus the real world is 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 hitting us upside the head pretty well. And I had a I had a post titled "Wokeness versus Economics," and basically it had a couple of uh, reviews from uh, Rotten Tomatoes. One was a review of Fauci, the uh, <laughs> Disney special, and uh, it took the tomato meter, which is the critics, was 91%, and the audience score, when I did it, was zero, but it got up to 2% in positive reviews. But the point the point being that the what on Rotten Tomatoes, what is the called the tomato meter is the critics. Is the critics. So, the, so the critics, 91%, people, 2%. David Chappelle, the closer, uh, critics 33% uh, and the people 96%. And I just yeah. asked the question, who buys tickets, critics or audiences? Right, audiences. right, right. You know, by the way, by the way, I, I, I happened to see a clip of Dave Chappelle's special and he went off on Jesse Smollett. Yep, and, and it was hilarious. Of course, it. He's a very funny man, and, and, and it was it was hilarious. This idea. Wait, two men in MAGA hats in Chicago in six at two a.m. Two black dudes. You're going to Subway at two o'clock in the morning in sixteen below weather. You know, it's like it's like the, all the things that we immediately. You know, saw in that, and, and he said, he said, you know, we black people honor Jesse Smollett with our silence, 
And we were silent because we knew he was lying. Yeah, uh, he said it with uh, some some strong language that uh, I yeah. I mm -hmm. cannot use. But well, obviously, Chappelle probably will not uh, shop at Walmart because of their white privilege. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! So oh, I've got to tell yeah, this one this one just cracked me up, man. <laughs> Um, um, Christopher you need to hook Luca. a generator to Sam Walton's grave. Oh my goodness! Uh, well, yeah. He's probably spinning on his own already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christopher Rufo, if you if you know who that is, is the guy who has exposed, done the most over the past couple of three years to expose critical race theory, and uh, he discovered uh, by a leak of an internal document that Walmart has since 2018 has been putting its uh, employees through training uh, in partnership with the Racial Equity Institute of Greensboro, North Carolina. And um, Walmart has launched a critical race theory training program that denounces the United States as a white supremacy system and teaches white hourly wage employees that they are guilty of white supremacy thinking and internalized racial superiority. Okay. And, and, I'm look, you know, and remember, Sam Walton started this as a five and dime store in Arkansas. Yes, okay? he did. I remember living in Chanute, Kansas in the uh, uh, mid 70s. Uh, I spent a decade there one summer. And <laughs> the only, I mean, the, the only place of really of any consequence to buy anything was the Walmart. And it wasn't much of a store then, right, right, right. right. And it was, but Walmart was a was a very successful regional chain at that point. Yeah, what happened was what happened. What made Walmart Walmart uh, was during the seventies and eighties, they developed the computerized inventory system, mm -hmm. and on and began using on time delivery, what's known as drop shipping. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, used to be you would put stuff in a warehouse. Uh, Walmart figured out how to get stuff shipped directly from the manufacturer, drop shipping. Um, and they would buy enough that Nabisco would go, yeah, we'd like that order. Yeah, right, right. They, they yep. began buying in huge quantities. What? Well, not only that, but uh, I actually negotiated with Walmart as a potential vendor once, and they mm -hmm. were so tight on cost-conscious cost stuff. Uh, the mm -hmm. company I worked for actually wound up no-bidding it because we, <coughs> we couldn't make the stuff cheap enough. And right. by, the, mm -hmm. by that, I don't mean inexpensive. I mean cheap. They knew what their market was. They knew what people were willing to buy in their stores at, the t at that time, and we couldn't we couldn't get our quality low enough. Um, you know, um, for that particular I, item, I, I have to. I have to say, I have not really shopped at Walmart much. I've I, I shop at Sam's Club, but I don't shop at Walmart. Um, so I, I can't really speak to that. Well, no, I mean, look, if you're in a town like Westminster, Maryland, mm -hmm. 
uh, it's the big box store, and, mm-hmm. and, right? Uh, and uh, if you don't, I mean, uh, the, the, they've got strong competition uh, for um, a lot of stuff from obviously the grocery chains like Safeway, but mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. and uh, if you're looking for uh, if you're looking for uh, 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 a, something for your uh, uh, you know home repair sort of stuff obviously uh they're not gonna outdo lowe's or home depot Mm -hmm. but the only competition they have for a lot of items in a town the size i live in is Mm -hmm. amazon you know the the thing is the thing is is that there this is you know my beef with all this white privilege nonsense is that is that you know, there are privileged people, right, in, in America. And okay. a lot of them are white. Right, right. but there, there is such a thing as real privilege, okay? You think <laughs> of privilege, you think of spoiled brats, the kids that go to Groton, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or Vanderbilt. Hey, I didn't want to say anything, but <laughs> but anyways, but, but my point is, is that there are people uh, who... Uh, you are the beneficiaries of inherited wealth and so on and so forth who are genuinely privileged, okay? They're not working at Walmart, okay? Not usually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The point being that that people who actually work for a living and, and stocking the shelves in a large retail store is something I did for minimum wage back in the day, Okay, and and I'm telling you, man, you know that kind of work is just to get through an eight-hour shift, you know, mm-hmm. without losing your mind. It is so <laughs> mindless, you know, that you have to have something in your head. Okay, you go through things in your head just to keep working. Okay, mm-hmm. and that kind of work is is thankless. But you know, as we're seeing in the supply chain situation. If people don't do that kind of work, we're going to all have problems. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so, but it takes me back to something that Peter Schweitzer, if you know who Peter Schweitzer is, um, once made the point: the question of why, if you look at rich people, right, mm-hmm. in New England, like in New York or Boston, or, or rich people in the Northeast, Philadelphia, whatever. Rich people up there vote liberal, okay? Rich people, or what we would think of as rich people, in Texas and Alabama, and but they don't. In the Sun Belt states, okay, um, the well-to-do, you know, the affluent, the, the higher income, they, they're conservative, whereas in, in you know, why the difference? And the difference is, is that the people up north inherited the privilege, whereas you find a guy who's made his own way, that, you know, uh, the, the, the millionaire in Texas is apt to be a self-made man. Well, the millionaires in Nashville whose grandfathers started uh, some company are now tend to be uh, uh, Democrats instead of Republicans. Their fathers mm-hmm. are probably Republicans. Yeah, right, right. But the po- um, but point being so th- is that is that if you made it yourself, okay, if you you know built your own business, okay, you remember 
when you were sweating it out just to, to, to pay the bills. Okay. The, mm -hmm. the, so it is the self-made man and the guy who can remember how poor he grew up. People are mm -hmm. conservative about what they know. Yes. If you know what it's like to, to build something, you'll be conservative about it. Yeah. Meanwhile, in other ways, everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> uh, since the beginning of the Biden administration, I've been writing about how the Democrats would wind up failing because of their unnecessary overreach. We talked about that a little earlier because it's going to trigger a rebellion among Americans. Ooh, well, yeah. Don Server had a wonderful review up of the people's response to elected government uh, and how things are going on this week. Uh, and, uh, Things are going to get interesting. I have a link to, to Don's post, and I also have a graphic where I have taken mm -hmm. the Solidarity logo from uh, uh, Poland. And uh, instead some of having, us are old enough to remember this, and and some of and, well, yes, replace replaced the uh, uh, truncated version of the Polish flag with the truncated version of the American flag. So we'll mm -hmm. we'll see if that gets any traction out there. Meanwhile, if you enjoy airline travel, speaking of the Department of Transportation, just wait a few weeks. Uh, it's been reported that around 40% of the TSA's employees have yet to report their vaccination status. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, also, since that's related to COVID, Merck has submitted an emergency use authorization to the Food and Drug Administration uh, for a new uh, investigational oral antiviral medicine, okay? Um, and it's used for the treatment of, if you've got mild to moderate COVID, you start taking this as soon as you get your symptoms and it's supposed to help you do well with it. Uh, mm -hmm. Somebody at Merck has an interesting sense of humor. The capsules are red. <laughs> the red pill. <laughs> You know, uh, I have one question. I know that we have an, another subject, but I have a, a question. Given that COVID is uh, respiratory, why didn't they work on a puff uh, treatment, like like for asthma? Like an inhaler. Yeah, an inhaler, an inhalant, well, in, essentially. Well, in fact, in fact, I was talking to my cousin who's a pathologist, mm -hmm. and he said that uh, they tried that, and it just, uh, they, they, they found that other means were more effective. Uh, a, 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 I mean, that was the whole idea about ventilators, right? Uh, yeah. Ventilators are, are, are the next upgrade from things like inhalers. So, mm. you know, we'll see what's going on. Right. Meanwhile. Um, Over the pond. Yeah. As it, it we, 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 We've got our crime story of, well, one of our crime stories of the week. One Go with it. Stories. Yes. Um, yesterday, it was reported uh, that a member of the British Parliament, a Tory member, uh, uh, the Tories of the Conservative Party over there. Anyways, uh, Sir David Amis uh, was stabbed to death during a meeting with his constituents. And for several hours after the stabbing was reported, we knew nothing about the suspect. Yep. And then it was reported that it was a 25-year-old man who was arrested on suspicion of murder. And we waited 
and we waited and we waited and then uh, it was getting close to midnight when we finally learned that it was quote unquote a British national with Somali heritage. Yeah. Uh, so it's a Somali uh, and it's being investigated as terrorism. And, and, you know, and, 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 you know, I always say when these stories break, don't speculate, you know, don't jump to conclusions mm-hmm. <laughs> and aloha snack bar. Yeah, yeah. Well, also a couple of other interesting things about the story. This occurred in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the police, uh, in part of their response while the uh, MP was there dying, uh, prevented the priest from uh, administering the last rites, mm. which, um, uh, is kind of weird. Well, it's a Methodist church, so I'm a little. Uh, the Methodists but, aren't don't usually do last rites. That's well, I know, I, I know, yeah, I know. But apparently, he was apparently this guy was was either Catholic or Anglican. Oh my goodness! Uh, so. Well, we we now have something. Now, the killer of Sir David Ames was on a terror watch list, of course, and he had was. and had extremist literature. On his phone, he was previously linked to a uh, government anti-terrorism um, program, and so. Uh, and anyway. the interesting, the interesting thing is, is this Utterly particular, this particularly MP, its uh, thing is be is being pro-life, which you would think uh, would uh, uh, an Islamist would think was it? Well, at least that's a a thing in his favor. So the, who knows the guy's what's name is here. Ali Harbi Ali. Okay. Well, so, you know, uh, obviously he wasn't fun. thinking very clearly, uh, but perhaps he wasn't crazy. Because but you did have a post about crazy people being crazy. Dangerous. People are dangerous, and and this is a story <laughs> where the the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Just completely blew it, okay? Because lesbian love triangle, okay? When a lesbian love triangle makes news, that's got to be in the headline, okay? We're trying to sell papers here, ladies and gentlemen. Well, except that the uh, LGBTSQ, my uh, name is Legion crowd, uh, are, uh, you know, may not be appreciative of that. Yeah, well, well, I don't care what they're appreciated. They'll buy the paper anyway. See, this was back when I was in the newspaper business. We understood what sells papers. And trust Mm -hmm. me, lesbian love triangle, NYPD cop murders ex-girlfriend's new lover. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's probably been good for a few clicks of, uh, the other McCain has it? Yeah. Uh, the off-duty NYPD, and I'm reading, by the way, from the New York Post, and you would think that the New York Post would understand killer lesbian, okay? <laughs> well, as, apparently there wasn't a headless body in the yeah, topless Yeah, bar. right. Anyway, yeah. the New York Post. Anyways, the off-duty NYPD officer who allegedly shot her ex-girlfriend and killed the woman's new lover may have been may have snapped because she was clinging to hope that they'd get back together. A high-ranking police source told the Post Thursday, Officer Officer Yvonne Wu, 
31, had recently split with her ex, Jenny Lee, 23, but was still spending the night on occasion at Lee's home in Brooklyn and may have lost it when she saw her there with another woman, the source said. Quote, she was still staying there on and off. She was still staying there some nights. It's not that strange. Maybe she thought it could Uh. still work out, the source said. Wu, who works in the 72nd Precinct and lives on Staten Island, allegedly opened fire on Lee and her 24-year-old new lover, Jamie Liang, at the home on 19th Avenue near 79th Street in Bensonhurst, Wednesday night. When the cops get there, she says, I shot them both, the guns inside, calm as can be the source said. Liang was found with a bullet wound to the chest and was taken to Maimonides Medical Center where she died. Lee was in serious but stable condition on Thursday. And I'm like, wait a minute. Chinese lesbian love triangle. How can you not get that in the headline? Well, I'm so old. Wu, Lee, and Liang. I mean, I, I, I'm so old. I mean, I mean, this would yeah, be well, a, a, a this would be a porn film back in the day. Well, yeah, mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm so old. It would have been a porn film back when I was uh, doing news in the '60s and early '70s, and we wouldn't have touched this story with a ten foot pole. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, anyways, but but this is a this is a beautiful uh, uh, story, and another case of. Uh, you know, as I said, as I said, if, if, if they wanted to call me to testify at her trial and ask, ask whether, uh, uh, woo, is she crazy? And I would say definitely she's deranged, demented, berserk, bonkers, daft, wacky, zany, nutty as squirrel farts, a few fries short of a Happy Meal, and cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Because, of course, crazy people are dangerous. Really? <laughs> you think so? All right. Well, anyways, uh, folks, I hear the boogie-woogie piano music in the background, so uh, we're just going to have time to update you on the football scores. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt managed to lose 21-20, yep. to 20, uh, and the Crimson Tide is leading Mississippi State 14-13, to 13, but next Saturday... I will be coming to you remote uh, from Michigan, uh, traveling there with family to see family. Okay. And uh, but anyways, we will be back here next uh, Saturday, seven o'clock, the usual time, with the usual crowd of John and Diana from Valdosta. Yep. And we'll see you originating from Studio B at Stately Hogue Manor. All right, Check you out next week, folks. Good night, Diana. I don't care.
experience. 